point every great beer is an even better story. Welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews. episode I'm in the presence of beer royalty as I have Australia's first lady of beer joining me. Kiralee's contribution to the beer industry is impressive with over 17 years of involvement. She has literally been involved in every part of the industry. She's an educator, a writer, a beer judge, a trainer and occasionally an assistant brewer. An experienced media performer having worked in radio and TV and in the press and as well as been on stage at Gabs with her beer and food cooking series she really knows her stuff. I thought it would be really nice to once again pay homage to someone who has really made a great contribution to the industry and have a chat about some of her experiences during her career. So welcome to the Beer Healer Interviews, the Beer Diva, Kiralee Waldhorn. Thank you so much, Chris. God, I sound pretty awesome. You do, actually. <laughs> someone else talks about me. <laughs> I'm, I'm bloody nervous tonight. Oh, you're not, are you? No, no I'm joking. It's, I just, actually, so, it's I, actually been 20 years, though, just, oh. just to... You know, up your research there. Do you, do you know what that that makes both you and I sound old? Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> I don't. Sometimes I, I, um, it's funny because I obviously do a lot of um, bar training. I was in Sydney yeah. this week doing some some venue training, and I say to them. And I've been working in the industry for 20 years. Some of them aren't even 20 years old. Oh, oh, the people yeah. that I'm talking to, I'm like, oh, my God, you guys weren't even born when I started working in beer. Yeah. So it does make me feel very old, I have to we, say. We have a joke in my office that I'm I'm the office dad at 43 and uh, there's probably four or five Aww. in there that I could have actually been their father that <laughs> work in the office. So not great. <laughs> it, um, it hits you in the face a bit, doesn't it, yeah. when you realise that, that's it. That's it. Like it's, we're not young anymore. No. We're now heading towards midlife. Pretty much. I'm still having a great time anyway, of it though, so that's okay. It's a, it's a privilege. Yeah, exactly. So um, look, anyway, thanks thanks for joining me. I mean, it's really awesome to have someone on who's got such a diverse background as you do, but where do I start? I mean, the Google machine has a lot of info on you, <laughs> but how do you <laughs> like to describe your career in beer? Oh gosh, yeah. Well, look, it um, it did start. I I always say it started actually in London. It wasn't a career, but I was in training for my career. <laughs> so, um, I did I, I, <laughs> at the uh, the walkabouts, etc. Yeah, I never visited the Aussie pubs. I was just I just wasn't interested in it. Yeah, so cool. I hung out with very posh English people <laughs> instead and <laughs> had a drink pints of beer with them. Nice. Um, but, yeah, look, obviously, um, you know, travelling around the UK, you get to experience that, that that village culture that they do so well where they have the, you know, the local pub at the local brewery brewing their own beer. So I got a real sense of, um, you know, what, what beer can be and, and different, different styles, um, a lot of real ales as well. Obviously, um, so I always liked beer. It wasn't it wasn't something I had to teach myself to enjoy. I, you know, I was always naturally kind of yeah directed towards beer. I grew up with brothers, dad was in the army. You know, there was no real option for yeah. me. <laughs> so beer, yep, was, yep. beer was always around. Um, but I actually I started working. I was working in marketing in um, in the UK uh, for agencies. Um, and then when I came back to Australia, um, I'd been doing a lot of work in the direct marketing and loyalty space, which was huge back in the olden days um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> before social media. Um, and um, I came back to, to Australia and uh, Lion were just about to launch their consumer loyalty program. So um, I got headhunted um, through an agency that and I just remember I remember coming home just going oh my god it's client side I was pretty desperate to get out of the agency <laughs> world at that point um not that I didn't love it but yeah it's nice to be in control on the client yeah. side um and yep. it was beer and I was just like oh this is my absolute dream job and luckily I obviously convinced them I knew enough about it um, so I started working for Lion and only actually spent about a year on that program and then moved into um, what we called category management or, you know, Ooh, category yes, insights. Yeah. Yes, yeah. remember category. And then that yeah. evolved into, because you were a lion as well, of course, yeah. weren't you? Just before we, before we go any to... further with the whole lion thing, tell me your, mm. your favourite BTAV. My favourite what? BTAV, for the lion people listening along, 10 behaviours that add value, which is your favourite? <laughs> I 
BTAB. I don't even think I did BTAB. Oh, that um, might have been after your time. Are they the things like um, like learning neck on the fast. fly? And oh yeah, I didn't have those. Uh, I had seek all to understand like, before yeah. being understood. <laughs> Oh, no, they were before my time. Yeah. Okay, now you do stand old. We had had the (laughs) – it's been – that was that long ago. Um, So sorry, I can't give you, but I quite like that one. What was that one? Seek to understand before what? Before being understood. Before being understood. Yeah. Okay, yes, I like that one. (laughs) Sorry. Um, Back to your story. Anyway, no, that's all right. (laughs) No problem at all. So where was I? Yeah, so then I moved into – yeah, the area um, evolved into planning and, and insights. And we basically sat kind of right in between sales and marketing and looked at all the category insights. So we uh, looked at how do we grow? Where's the opportunity for beer versus wines and spirits and RTDs? And look, when I started working in beer, um, you know, we talk about share of throat. Yes, yep. um, Beer had something like 76% share of throat. Yeah. And I was just reading some Roy Morgan research today that, you know, wine's now 41% share, beer's 86%. So it's, you know, it's been a huge wow. shift um, from from back then. So then, you know, beer dominated yep. everywhere. But whilst I was um, working at Lime, we started to see that decline in the category um, and therefore, um, obviously looking at how do we arrest that decline and, and fundamentally what was happening was older drinkers were moving, you know, back into wine because the wine industry said it's really good for you oh, to yeah. have a glass of wine every day and, you know, drink drink your glass of red wine and you'll have all your antioxidants and everything. My wife still believes that. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, a lot yeah. of people do. Lots more. I think obviously <laughs> yeah. two glasses of wine given the, the numbers I saw today. And then we had that the introduction of ready to drink, so the RTD yeah. category, which came in around the time of um, GST and prices came down and suddenly there was just this explosion. So that younger market that traditional journey into beer by young men particularly just wasn't happening anymore. They were going, you know, straight from soft drink into RTDs. So, you know, a lot of um, a lot of pressure on the category, but it was really fun and just um, fascinating to understand what was driving people's decisions around what to drink. And um, we did a lot of shopper behaviour research and I just I love the psychology of why people do certain things and how you can interrupt that. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, that flow of, of shopping. You know, alcohol is very highly planned in Australia because we don't have supermarket um, you know, beer or alcohol yeah. in supermarkets, yep. unlike the States, New Zealand. So it's not as a spontaneous purchase. So people literally are driving in their cars, you know, thinking about what they're going to get. Um, so to disrupt that and change that is quite yeah, difficult, but you know it's fun if you can yeah. if you can change that behaviour, um, then yeah, it's it is fascinating playing around with people's psychology <laughs> without them even realising. <laughs> so um, yeah, look, I I was there for seven years all up. Sorry to interrupt the podcast. In the words of Transvision Vamp, I don't want your money, honey. I want your love. I'm not going to ask for a Patreon donation because that's not really why I do this. I just want you to help me spread the craft beer gospel. Whichever podcast service you use, if you like my interviews, please like, subscribe, follow, rate and share my podcast with your friends. It all helps to spread the craft beer message throughout the community and in turn hopefully can help those of you out there who make a living working in the industry. That's all. I'll let you get back to the podcast. And sort of then after that, the whole whole beer dealer sort of thing start. I mean, you, had, you developed a love of beer and it is one thing to fall in love with beer and then, you know, maybe as I do, make it your hobby. Mm. But you then jumped in with both feet to start your own business and make a career over it. That's, that's pretty much le- next level. Mm. I just want to know, how did you make that decision? Was there, was there a gap in the market that you identified or was it about taking a leap of faith or uh, maybe leveraging your network with the belief that maybe you'd find your way? It was a bit of all of those things actually. So whilst I was still at Lion, um, I worked on a um, trade training program um, with Bill Taylor. So Bill Taylor to me is an absolute legend. <laughs> he was the chief brewer of Lion at the time. Um, and he and I literally felt like we sat shoulder to shoulder for about nine months working on this program that we were going to launch to, it was an online training program for bar staff that could literally, you know, teach them everything they needed to know about beer. Oh yeah. Um, 
And the more I sat with Bill and the more I realized that there was so much more to beer than I knew um, because he's such a passionate lover of the history of beer and the, you know, the evolution of styles and he's just got so much knowledge and he's a great storyteller. I suddenly looked at him and he was, um, he'd invited me along to some of the beer dinners that he was running at the time. And I actually, when the project finished, I sent him a note. I'd done some research and found all these brewing courses. I thought, oh my God, this is it. This is, this is what I'm going to be. Huh. I'm going to be Perfect. a Bill Taylor, <laughs> um, but a female version of a Bill Taylor. And, um, he, I sent him an email and he said, let's go and have lunch as Bill always nice. does. He likes a lunch. Um, yep. Yeah. And he said, you don't want to be a brewer. <laughs> and I was like, Too much cleaning. Don't I? And he said, no, you don't probably. He said, well, let me just put, let me write you a development program that will show you a whole lot of aspects of, of beer and, you know, give you some background and then decide what you want to do. But he really supported this idea that, um, you know, I could be another voice in the industry that wasn't a brewer, wasn't a male, um, to talk about beer. Perfect, yeah. Um, so he put me on, you know, did, I did all the sensory training at Lyon. I went and picked hops. Beautiful. I did the short malting and brewing course at Ballarat University, which unfortunately mm-hmm. I was about five months pregnant. So oh, they were all getting drunk every night. And I was just, you know, walking back to my room <laughs> going, oh, this is fun. Um, but no, he was amazing. Um, and from there I, so I, I was still at line. I went and came back twice because I had two children mm-hmm. as you do. Um and then eventually I thought, yeah, there's, there is an opportunity. And, and looking at the work we were doing around growth drivers, um, you know, females were a huge opportunity. Beer and food was a huge opportunity. Yep. Education was a huge opportunity. And I thought, wow, I can tick all of those boxes. I've got little children so I can do it, you know, kind of in my own time um, and build it gradually and just see how it, how it works um, and it worked for me. I mean, the idea was running events, really. That was what I thought I was going to do is just run some public events and corporate events, um, which I could do in the evening when the kids were asleep. So it all was perfect. Um, and that was great. And it actually coincided just by absolute fluke with this boom in craft beer. So, um, I would do a corporate event and then I'd have hand out, you know, 20 business cards and I'd have <laughs> 20 people calling me saying, can you come nice, and do yeah. one for us? And that's literally how my business started oh, and, and grew from there um, because it was so new. And the, the corporates at the time had done so many wine tastings. Yeah. They were just, over you know, they over were it. over the whole wine tasting. Even the Penfolds Grange tasting, you know, was <laughs> <laughs> boring back then to them because they'd done it. They'd done everything in yep. wine. Um, so, you know, it was just it was a bit of luck, really. Yeah, okay. I think that um, But luck, yet you had all these relationships you were leveraging and it makes the business world go around. Absolutely. And, you know, I, I still maintained a strong relationship with Lion and, you know, did did work on some on some projects with them. Um, I then was the editor for Beer and Brewer magazine for oh, nice. a while yep. as well, which then built my relationships with the breweries and with, with people in the, the beer world too. So, yeah, I guess it, it's it's kind of evolved in, in its own way. And the interesting thing is I never know what's around the corner, nice. which is great because yeah. it's exciting, but it's also yeah, terrifying yeah. <laughs> when you run your own business. Yeah. <laughs> is anything actually around the corner or not? <laughs> I mentioned to you uh, in preparation for this interview that I wanted to touch on the fact that you are a female, mm. no surprise to you, but <laughs> working in a male-dominated industry. But I didn't want to make too much of a point about it because I sort of felt that you were you're just a great ambassador for the industry, female or not. Oh, but as a woman, I'm assuming that you have faced some Pretty serious challenges during your career. Yeah, look, not as many as you think personally. I see a lot of stuff that really annoys me, um, yep. but I don't get a huge amount directed to me. So, look, I have to say I have really, for the amount of events that I've run and people that I've met, I've probably uh, could count on one hand, you know, the, the issues that I've had from, you know, from the public. 
and that's just been stupid stuff really. Yeah, I think okay. for me the biggest frustration is still how the industry talks about beer. Like I still, I mean, there was an article recently that had been shared that I shared um, a guy from the States that was talking about oh, something like how to get your woman to drink craft beer or just something oh, ridiculous. Yeah. And you think, are we like, we are still talking about this 20 years later, nothing has shifted. Like yep. I still feel like we haven't moved the dial anywhere near as far as we should have done given, yep. you know, the, now the, you know, I wouldn't say the maturity of, of craft beer in Australia, but we're, you know, we're oh, 10, 15 years, we've had craft beer in our mix and um, it's, a, you know, it's a big part of the category from a, I guess, interest point of view. There's a lot of talk about it. It's very um, obvious that there is an industry, you know, everyone knows about craft beer now, yet I still feel like we haven't worked out that there is a bigger market than just the craft beer guys that drink beer, drink craft beer. Um, And I feel like we're constantly bringing beer down rather than lifting it up, and that frustrates me a lot. It sort of runs in a little bit to my next question, which was like, have you seen the industry change over that time? I mean, has it it just been lip service? Or from your perspective, have you seen – Real honest changes in attitudes, or practices, and perceptions. Um, <laughs> not really. So okay, that's, yeah, that's fine. I, just, but, I want to get your perspective. I mean, yeah. Yeah. No, and and it is interesting because um, you know obviously I deal with a lot of the general public, like the corporates. I would consider the general public. They just don't have to pay to be in, <laughs> but they're still the public. Um, you know, I do a lot of training, so I'm dealing with 18 to 25-year-olds who work in bars, and there's still so, so I still get so many comments about you know, people that don't like beer and for the same reasons that people didn't like beer, you know, 20 years ago it's that same classic you know it's not it's not feminine it's bloating it's fattening it tastes disgusting it's way too bitter and you're like but there's so many beers out there you know so I still feel like I don't feel like perceptions have shifted and I I I think and the other the other the other end of it I hear a lot of people saying you know don't give me a craft beer it's got way too much flavor so it's almost like there's this extreme space that it's gone to as well that's targeting a very small niche and it's for for me look I've always said if you could rebrand beer then we would all be you know successful if we could actually take beer and rebrand it into what we all know, the people that work in the industry and the people that love it know yep. what it is and, you know, wipe everyone's memory of what they think beer is. Um, it feels like it, it needs that done to it. And But you look at gin. You know, gin's done a fantastic job. Oh, hasn't it just? It was an old lady's itself. drink. Yeah, it was the depressant, you know. It was the one that you had yeah. in. You know, you cried at the end of the night, apparently. Mm. <laughs> um, yeah, and now and it's now bloody it's, everywhere with all these oh, different botanicals. Everyone and, drinks oh. it. Everyone yeah. drinks it. And, you know, I can't think of any other um, alcohol category or segment apart from maybe whiskey, but even whiskey doesn't have the negative connotations. People just say mm. it's too full on for me. But yeah, there's, yeah. Not, there's no other alcohol that I can think of that have has people so – Polar has people so polarized. It, you yeah. know, it's either yeah, I love it, or no, I hate it. And it's it's it is interesting. And I guess being conscious of that as breweries and people that work in the industry to constantly make sure they're using the right language that is inclusive. And uh, I guess, as I said earlier, lifts beer rather than pulls it down to you know where people may think it is. It, it, we have to shift it. We have to start shifting those perceptions and I think individually you know breweries do do that but as an industry as a whole I don't feel like we are moving the dial as fast as we should be. What about the industry itself do you have you seen it change to become more diverse and inclusive in its behaviors? Yeah look definitely and I think um, I don't think the the industry itself was ever exclusive I think it was just that you know if we're looking at females um, 
females just weren't um, drawn to, to working and being part of the industry because it was so male-dominated. I mean, I remember years ago, and I've told this story before, that I went to a, a sales conference at Line years ago and there were 400 people there and in the room there were four women. Oh, my God, and really? three of them were in HR and I was, in, I was the only sales wow. representative in there. Um, and even the men looked around and went, this is not yeah. right. Like we've got to do yeah. something about this. And um, I don't know if you were at line when Gordon Cairns was around, but no. he did this whole really trying to understand what is it that's keeping women out of working in beer and it was just this perception. So I definitely think that shifted now. When we look at Pink Boots, so I was involved in the launch of Pink Boots in Australia, which is obviously the, the organisation yeah. that supports yep. women that work in the industry. You know, we had a handful of members um, and now we've got, I think, close to 300, so, oh, which nice. is fantastic. So we're definitely seeing more females yeah. coming into the industry. It's not to say uh, it's uh, – I think it's more challenging. I definitely think it's more challenging for yep. them and they have to – you know, you hear stories and, and these are – you know, females who are out in the coalface, you know, dealing with um, customers, dealing with consumers um, day to day, I think they see a lot more um, or are faced with a lot more challenges um, than I may have seen. Um, So, yeah, we've got to make sure that it's it's still a really welcoming, safe, um, enjoyable environment for women to work in to encourage It's, more women. And and part of me setting up Beer Diva was to say, you know, you can be a female and you can drink beer. Yeah, absolutely. It's okay. <laughs> Here I am doing it. Yay. It's funny. It's, it's not just the craft beer industry. I work in the tech industry and I, I do a podcast for that as well. Mm. And uh, an interview that I did last week was talking about- Wow, you're busy. I am. <laughs> I was talking about diversity with a, a lady from the Women in Tech Network in America. Mm-hmm. And she said that a friend of hers um, regularly deals with with big clients. And she went to a client meeting recently with 12 people in the room and her. And of those 12 people, every single one was male. And she sat down in this meeting room and said, "Um, do you see something wrong here? And they're like, no. And then she went and got a a, a young girl from outside the room and brought her in and just sat her down and said, do you see something wrong here? She said, oh, I'm the only female at the table. And, you know, she could see the penny dropping with the guys and they realized. Mm. And she said to them, I'm not going to take any more meetings with you as, as my client until you fix this problem. And like, wow. it's, it's, you know, so it's Good not just it. the craft beer industry. Well, it's in, it's in all industry that we need to be better and, and more, oh. more, div, more diverse and inclusive in our thinking for sure. Absolutely agree. Um, and, um, you know, I've had many situations like that, obviously, um, most of my events, yeah. it's just me being the only female, but, um, I, um, I, yeah, I, I absolutely agree that it's not, it's not just beer, but, um, it's amazing that she you know, made that point and, and courage to do that. You know, yeah. got them to, to actually see that and um and realise. And look, I remember when I first started, um a lot of the, the people that were booking me to run these corporate events were the PAs or the EAs or the event managers who were all um at the time, you know, they were females I was dealing with, but they all said to me, oh, yeah, I work in a really male-dominated industry. And that was lawyers. So the, the types of corporates, lawyers, accountants and accountancy firms, engineering yeah, firms. Yeah, for know, sure. <laughs> that's where all of my business was. I'm like, where are all the female-dominated industries? Yeah. And you think, you know, in that corporate world, you're right. There needs to be more diversity across the board yeah. for sure. So as a female who's been has had some success in the craft beer industry, do you feel – you need to pay it forward a bit and, and take someone under your wing or mentor someone? Are you, are you sort of interested in doing that? Yeah, I've actually um, – I am mentoring someone at the moment. So, nice. yeah, which is um, is great. So um, someone who is really passionate about the industry but not entirely sure um, where – which area she wants to, to focus in um, uh, based on, you know, where her interests lie. So, yeah, that's – it is amazing and – yeah, I know there's a few of us who have done that and certainly Pink Boots is a great yeah. um, opportunity for that Absolutely. as well to, um, to as, a, as a group mentoring. Um, and, you know, the, the lovely thing is is that everyone knows that 
we're always there. And I get, I get, you know, the occasional phone call or email from someone just saying, Oh, I just want to pick your brain on this. And, um, <laughs> what were you, what did you say? You're the office dad. So yeah, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm the, office the, mom. the beer diva mum. Yeah. yeah. Nice. nice. <laughs> there's, there's a couple of us actually. Yeah. I've had four or five of the pink boots members, uh, as guests on the program, but I need to, uh, need to be better. So if there are any pink boots members out there that want to jump on and tell their story, uh, Reach out, be healer at internode.on.net. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah, absolutely. And, the, you know, there's some amazing uh, women with incredible stories out there. So, yeah. absolutely. Absolutely. Let's move <laughs> on a little bit now. Now, you're also really passionate about um, beer and food matching and, and cooking with food and sharing that with mm-hmm. the public. I have seen you at uh, Gab's. I haven't, I haven't attended one of your <sighs> sessions, but they sound like a lot of fun. Do you? Do you still enjoy going to the festivals and doing that? Yeah, I love it. Actually, that's one of my the favorite one of my favorite things to do is um, yeah, oh, cool. look, um, you know, <laughs> it's funny because you have some people who literally will come to every session and have done for you know, six or seven years. <laughs> I'm saying to them, do, do, they're called do, stalkers. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Chris. Um, I have security. <laughs> it's all good. Um, I, I say to them, "Do you want to come up and just run the session because you know, you know oh, it so well?" But okay. um, I just love I love those light bulb moments. I mean, um, Gabs this year, um, I was lucky enough and so privileged to share the stage with David Brown, who yep. is the um, he set up Millerwort Cheese Company, um, and he is an incredible man and. He had never really experienced beer and cheese together. Oh, really? And on the stage, yeah, so so he brought his cheeses and I'd chosen some beers to match with it and beer and cheese is one of my favourite things in the world to do. But he was literally blown away. He said, I cannot believe how amazing this pairing is. And, yeah, this is someone who I would have thought, you know, would have been exposed to everything yeah. but just hadn't gone down the the line of, of beer he'd probably had a you know a few beers but not I guess matched to the level that I had matched them and you know those light bulb moments for me that's what makes it all worth it and whether it's someone like David Brown or whether it's um you know just a, a punter in the crowd that's never considered beer and food before and you can see their yeah, eyes absolutely. light up and you just go that that's gold that is worth it you know, and I'll never forget the first time that Chuck Hahn introduced me to the combination of porter and like a chocolate oh, yes. mousse, chocolate cake type dessert. Oh, wow. Mind yeah. blown. Well, that, absolutely. That's what got me into Beer Diva. So Bill Taylor did exactly the same yep. thing to me. Nice. It's obviously one of their party tricks. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. And I, I said, you know, more people need to know about this. People need to know oh, how yeah. amazing beer and food can be. And um, I did a dinner just recently at the Plough Hotel in Footscray. Um, so Scott Thomas is an incredible chef and he put this fantastic um, meal together and I matched the beers. And, again, people just could not believe <laughs> how great beer and food actually works. Nice. They would, they would, and, then, and they were drinking beer styles they'd never drink or have, had never drunk before and it's only because they don't know you know yeah, <laughs> what these yeah, beers taste like yep. and I think that you know again in the industry we have to be so aware that if we want more people to come into the category particularly into this the craft category we need to make it easier for them to enter and yeah. that, that point of entry you know, for a lot of people is really it's really overwhelming um just the pale ale section in a store you look at it and there's you know a hundred different beers just in parallels and people just think too hard actually it's too hard i'm just going to go back to what i always (laughs) have had and you know we've all got that responsibility and that's us the brewers the retailers the you know the the bar the venue operators as well to actually make it easy for people to to give it a yeah, go. Yeah. Hey, you mentioned that you you do these dinners. Um, is it all about tasting and sensory development with your, your events or do you like to tell stories with your audience? Uh, I, do, I do all sorts of stuff <laughs> with them. Um, 
comedy act. I, I, I just love I love beer stories. That's why I do this thing. So yeah, I, lo- I love the mix, and I love you know obviously the historical stories around how some of these beer styles evolved, but also just anecdotal stories of stuff that's happened over the years. I mean, twenty years of working in beer, I've seen some stuff, um, and people like to hear those those real life stories. What's your favorite beer story? Oh God, my favorite beer story. Okay, well, one of my first dinners I ran. This was actually probably my first or second dinner. So it was friends and family. And it was actually a guy who I'm sure we both know. I won't mention names, <laughs> but he worked at Line. He brought his dad oh, along. And his dad was awesome. Um, we did this dinner. And at the end of it, he actually he said to me, he said, I am so upset. I'm so upset. And I said, oh, my God, what have I done? <laughs> He's never coming back. He said, I have literally been wearing blinkers for 40 oh, wow. years and I cannot believe it. I cannot believe I've missed out on 40 years of enjoying beer oh, with my dinner. No. <laughs> I was like, can oh, I quote fantastic. you on that? Can you please send me that? <laughs> you know? yep. But that was amazing for me, you know, someone who was in his 60s probably 60s yeah he would have been in his yep. 60s by that at that point um just said I'm so angry at myself that I've missed this and he was so blown away by it but look I just I love it when I can turn people towards beer um and it's always the beers that you know you stereotypically would probably um least yep. expect the dark beers you know Everyone loves a dark beer, particularly when you put it with chocolate yeah. or blue cheese or something like that. So, you know, those those moments are fantastic when people come up to you at the end and say, I didn't think I liked beer and you've just shown me awesome. you know, that I actually do like beer and I just haven't tried the right beers before. So You're making me smile here. This is great. Yeah, it's it's yeah. it's pretty magical. Uh. <laughs> Yeah. And look, you just have to have fun with them, and I think that's the thing that I do. I like to, I like to have fun. We keep it really lighthearted. You know, there's all the deep, demystifying beer as well, busting the beer myths that exist out there. And um, you know, again, people just love it when you talk to them about why you should pour a beer in a glass. And I've had people come back to me years later and say, hey, beer diva, because no one knows my name is Kira Lee. Um, <laughs> and they'll say, I still don't ever drink from the bottle ever, oh, you know, still. Since yep. I saw you, I've never drunk a beer from the bottle. Nice, nice. And, yeah, those, they're great. They're great, yeah. Do you have a, uh, a favourite beer style at all? Oh, look, if I um, – and I was saying this to the um, people I was training the other day, so that whole – tart and funky space yep i love it you know cool. if there's if there's a beer in that style so i love the farmhouse hours that yep. everyone knows everyone that knows me knows i love saison so i will never go past a yep. saison if there's one on the on the beer list and i know you're friends with my friend will tetchell yes of and course. he's uh, yes. he's obviously very much in that space yes he is yeah he makes some fabulous beers did you get his beers this week from him? no i didn't <gasps> will you got to send some no. beers to curly i'm obviously not come on will the new australian spontaneous sales what's going on oh they're amazing the problem is i move around so much oh. <laughs> i reckon there's about five places so my my army upbringing I get itchy feet very quickly. Yep. So I, <laughs> I tend to go. Oh, I'm bored now. Let's move. Um, <laughs> I reckon there's about five places in Melbourne that are probably still getting Your beer. Beers. That, you know, uh, just now keeping it. <laughs> so. What about a uh, a guilty pleasure in terms of beer? Do you have like one you, you like maybe you'd like to secretly take a long neck of Melbourne bitter into a bubble bath, <laughs> or maybe forex gold in the shower, or maybe you no. always cook Mexican with Corona? Is there anything you want to confess to? No. No, nothing like that. Although, I, you know, again, if you if I go into just your classic old bar, you know, two, I can't go past a two years old. I'll drink a two years old. Oh yeah, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's yep. not bad. Nice, that's nice. Not bad. <laughs> but um, I I always say that uh, yeah, I've just there's not enough time in my life for all the beers that yeah, because I just love trying different stuff all the time. I'm hearing your sister. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Gemini too. I'm you know I like I like to mix it up. A lot, yep. so yeah, I, nice. I don't, I don't stick with one. Now uh, you've just been on an overseas holiday, and 
One of my great loves is uh, trying to incorporate beer tourism into my family holidays and <laughs> looking for ways to sneak in a brewery tour here and that sort of thing. How old are your children? Uh, 15 and 11. Oh, okay. Is it? Are you finding it's getting harder? Oh, no, I just do what I bloody want, guys. Do you? Or I go okay. solo. Right, okay. Well, when we were in New York recently, I took a trip to Brooklyn just to see the brewery on my own. Oh, I didn't care. I had to go and see brilliant. it. Brilliant. Well, yes, so um, I've got two sons who are nearly 14 and 15, and they can sniff out a brewery a mile yep. away now. If they know we're heading to <laughs> one, they're, like, they're just at that age where they feel really self-conscious in a in a bar or in a brewery, whereas yeah, when they're little, you yep, can take them anywhere, yep. and they're just Don't not care. quite old enough to, <laughs> to be able to drink yet. So they're at that kind of awkward yep. age. But um, look, if I can sneak one in, then I will. Um, I went to the states a few years ago and obviously tried a few. But um, I was in I was in um, Italy, um, but actually, well. <laughs> There were there were no breweries right in the vicinity. Um, have you ever driven yep. in Italy? Yeah, I was there about oh, two years ago. Yep. My God. I managed to find craft beer actually in Italy. It was all right. I found craft beer. Yeah, I did find yeah. some cute little bars with some some craft beers. I noticed they love their Belgian styles. Did you find that yeah. as well? Which was right yeah. up my alley. I was pretty happy with yep. that. A um, lot of Belgian styles, but um, I was put off driving. Just driving from the airport to where we were staying, That's I was crazy. like, "No, yeah. the car is not moving. I'm not getting back on those roads. It's too stressful." <laughs> um, but yes, I found some nice beers, but not breweries, unfortunately. Uh, what's the best beer travel experience you've ever had? Do you reckon? Oh, I reckon. Oh, look, I have to say, I was I did some filming for the Tassie Beer Trail, and you know, I know you're wanting me yes, to stay yep. somewhere. <laughs> Overseas and glamorous and exotic, but I just loved exploring that whole Tasmanian beer space. You know, they've got obviously access to incredible ingredients, as fresh as fresh can be. Um, Some really amazing people working in the industry and doing fantastic stuff. And you know, you've got the wills down there. You've got um, uh, breweries in um, Hobart as well scattered along the coast like it's just oh it, it just changed my whole perception of Tasmania actually and you can see why oh, well, you know awesome. Tassie as yeah. a um as a food and and drink um ex- experience is just incredible because it's so easy to get around and and there are so many amazing artisan producers down there so yeah look Tassie I would Definitely would say if you love your beer, just get down there and spend a few weeks. Or I've got a business proposition for you. Maybe you need to do like a beer diva beer cruise Tassie or like a Tassie Kentucky tour where you take everybody Should around, I? you bring them all in and drive them around in a little bus. That'd be great. Okay. So if you want to do a Tasmanian beer tour <laughs> with me, just respond to your to your to this um, <laughs> podcast and we'll see whether we can get it happening. It'll be done. I'll do it for sure. It'll be like a, a bigger version of Dave's Brewery Tours in the inner west. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> this, will be, nice. this will be two weeks minimum. <laughs> yeah, oh, absolutely. Going to go bush and going to go hard. <laughs> um, so the whole beer diva thing is a job for you and, and you can't see mm. my hand actions right now, but I'm doing air quotes when I say job. And I do so because I think there will be many people, myself included, that we very – Jealous of your job, again, in inverted commas. What do you think's the thing you enjoy most about being the beer diva? Uh, I guess the, well, look, it's that interaction with people and that, um, I guess, that influence I can have um, in terms of changing perceptions um, and sharing something new with the people that I come in contact with. I mean, that's, that's I guess, the, the crux of why I do what I yep. do. Um, yeah, and that was always that was always the crux of it. It was always about saying, "Hey, come on! There's more of you out there who I know um, would love beer if you just gave it a shot." And yeah. um, being able to to have that more intimate experience, I guess, because a lot of what I do is you know with groups of people, um, which is a you know it's a it's a more intimate experience than um, writing, for instance. You don't know who you're influencing. Um, so yeah, that's that's you know, really what I love. And then just seeing how breweries um, evolve and how how styles have evolved as well and, you know, watching watching what's going on 
in the marketplace um, and just seeing how far beer has come and is has still to go. There's still such a huge opportunity for beer, I think, in Australia. Um, so you're p- playing a part in that, even though it's a you know tiny, tiny part. But if I can help that and um, help to create, you know, that that healthy beer culture, um, then you know that's what keeps me excited. Awesome, awesome. As someone myself who gets involved in this purely for the love of it, I know how much hard work it is, and it also gives me a real appreciation for those of you like yourself that do this for a job and need the income to put the food on the table. And I wonder if you're sometimes conflicted because of it. And I say this because we know that there's a lot of money available to people like yourself that a lot of the money does come from the sort of the larger companies. You've got sponsors and partnerships, paid for placements, all those sorts of things. For you, is it sometimes hard to balance the need to to make a living from some of those larger companies, which also maybe irk some of the craft beer purists? And they may see them as a bit of an enemy, but you need to find that balance between paying the bills and and sort of looking after your audience. How, how do you see that? Yeah, that's a really interesting question because you're right. You know, the, yeah, yeah. the smaller breweries have got no money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, that's just, a, that's that. just part of it, isn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah, but look, I guess I've never, I've never been one that has had this us and them mentality. You know, for me, it, it's all about the category, and um, you know, maybe this comes from my my days at Lion and looking at category growth. And yeah. you know, my my understanding is that if we grow the category, everyone grows and yes. everyone shares yep. in that success. So for me, it's more about as I said earlier, building that, creating that health in the category. So, look, mainstream beer does a great job in Australia for getting people into craft beer. We need that as a, as a springboard. Um, you know, a lot of people are transitioning. You look at um, beers like, I know, you know, it's from James Squires, which is, is one of the bigger guys yep. as well, but 150 Lashes has, you know, has been such a great springboard from mainstream. Uh, you're into- welcome. Accessible craft, yes, congratulations. <laughs> um, and then into further, you know, into the smaller craft breweries. So I, th- I do feel like, I, I do feel like sometimes we make too much of a, of a big deal around this, you know, the big bad guys. Um, I don't hear it so much in the other categories. Yeah. I, I really feel like it's a, it's a beer thing. And look, we've, we've had a monopoly in Australia, a duopoly, sorry, for, um, yeah, <laughs> feels like nearly yeah. a monopoly now, <laughs> it does, doesn't, doesn't it? With yeah. the new coming in, but um, a duopoly, um, which does make it hard. But I still think that you know, ultimately, um, there's still channels and opportunities that are so ripe for the for the smaller operators that the big operators just cannot uh, manage or um, uh, execute against yeah. easily. That's very clumsy. I know what you mean, yeah. In terms of you know, logistically, the bigger breweries are set up for big volume, whereas, you know, the small breweries are set up for small volumes. And there's so many, you know, you look at the number of licensed venues in Australia and so many of them are in that, you know, that smaller in that, that yes, yeah. the restaurant cafe channel. And I just still think, I still think that has been underutilised by the smaller breweries potentially as an opportunity um to to build craft through that um so as i said the long answer but um it was a long question though yeah (laughs) (laughs) if if beer has got to um start to become more relevant to more people and whether that is through um the big guys or whether it's through the small guys I think once people are in beer, it's then up to the breweries to be able to shift them around. If we can get more people embracing beer um, as an industry and then the responsibility lies with the individual brewery to then get people loving their brands. Yep, yep. I, uh, I think as two people who used to work for Lion, we, we know the kind of people also that work on the inside of Lion. They are some great people who are very passionate about their beer and I think oh, sometimes absolutely. that thing is – that. That element is lost on some of the staunchly independent people who who haven't worked with some great people and only see them being as part of big beer. Yeah. And I think that's where I kind of cut them a little bit of slack. And I'm I maybe sometimes am more lenient towards the big beer guys because I I know they're 
they're good doing people. doing it, you know, for the right. Re- yeah, great people. Yeah. Um, yeah, they might work for the big guys, but they still love their beer a lot. Yeah, they do. And you, you know, you see a lot of them have gone into into um, craft brewing as well. You know, it's it, you're right. It is. Yeah. It's a passion that that they they hold dear. Yeah. And um, yeah, I challenge everybody out there to find someone more passionate about beer and craft beer than Chris Sheehan. Up in uh, yes. <laughs> Funnel of Queensland. Absolutely. You know no, Chris? Yeah. yeah, I know Chris. Yeah, he ah, was at Squires when I legend. knew him. Yeah. Yeah. But I do think as as well, yeah. I think sometimes we get a bit too caught up in it in that, um, you know, ultimately the consumer um, who's making the, the choice, um, you know, are they as aware of it as we are? Um, you know, do we make too much of a big deal of it um and if if you know something like independence is important to them then again it's up to it's up to those independent breweries to shout that out loud and let people know so yeah everyone's got their role to play um but i guess the the key is is that we have to make sure that we're not being um derogatory i guess to the category we're always being supportive of it yep. and yep. putting it speaking about it in the way that it should be spoken about with respect um all the time and you know i think that certainly goes a long way gee yeah uh, we're running a little over time tonight but I, I wanted to keep the conversation going so i'm really enjoying this but we'll try to wrap <laughs> it up um as as someone who's had some success in the industry as i said before what advice would you give to someone wanting to go Pro with their beer loving, video making, podcasting, social media hobby. Hobby. I'm uh, I'm asking for a friend. <laughs> hobby. <laughs> hobby. Yeah. Hobby. 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 Um. Yeah. Oh, are you going to go pro with? Uh, have you got sponsors yet? If, do you need some sponsors, Chris? No. Do you know what? I don't. I I don't take on any sponsors. How How do people sponsor you? I know I, I don't want them because then as soon as I get bring a sponsor on, it <laughs> means I've got to start doing doing things with those people and not being able to do this just what I want to do when I want it. Yeah. So yeah, I've that's I've never true. ever never been in this to make any money because uh, I've I've got a job that's that's where my money comes from and I just want to always do this for the love of beer and to give something back to an industry that I think is just awesome. So yeah, no yeah, sponsors. Yeah, which is brilliant. And look, I would I would say, um, you know, if you if you're interested in in getting involved, just get out there as much as you can. Meet as many of the um, the brewers, the people that are working in the industry. You know, taste beers. I guess build build some um, some knowledge up. Um, yeah. Probably before you want start just going out there and talking about it because um, you'll get you called know, out if, if you don't. I think, <laughs> Yeah, you will, and yeah, that's. I wanted to say that in a in a nice way. Yeah. You absolutely will get called out. Um, smart people out and there. And look, I, I, for me personally, I've always taken the um, the direction that um, you know, if I haven't got anything nice to say, I don't say anything. Same. Because I know, I me. know, with beer, it's a volatile product. Um, it's you know, you don't know what happens to a beer when it leaves the brewery. Yeah. So it can leave the brewery in the best shape possible, but you don't know what's happened yeah, to it on the way. Absolutely. You might get, a, you know, a bad beer and you write about it and suddenly, you know, everyone's seeing that and going, oh, you know, that's terrible. And, yep. you know, the keyboard warriors get yep. on the, Do their drain pause. You just think, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's it, for what benefit? Like I just I don't I don't understand yeah. the whole need to to call people out because um, everyone's trying really hard and it is tough out there. Um, you know I would prefer to have a chat to the the brewer or have, speak to someone at the brewery and you know just talk yep. through it and yeah I'm sure they'll send you out a fresh sample if if there was something wrong with it. But <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just, exactly. Just speak. Choose kind. Yeah. Choose kind. <laughs> yeah, I. I've I've been asked quite a few times why don't you why, why your beer reviews your videos and whatever why are they always so positive and everything's a great beer and that sort of thing mm. and I say to those people I said well I, I do taste beers that I don't like but I choose not to video and the, mm. uh, make a video about them and, and bag them out because I think it's going to do so much more damage than me oh. not talking about that beer absolutely and if, if I get a beer that's been sent to me to try and I don't like it I'll tell the broad like, I didn't really like that mm. and they're all like yep yeah, cool no worries mate you're not always going to like every beer we put out. Yeah. But I'll just rather not add to that negativity because I think th- sometimes it's it's a bit too much. 
Oh yeah, and it it um it starts a storm as well, doesn't it? You can see one one negative yep. comment, and then everyone wants to join in, and you're just going, uh, "Why are we so nasty? <laughs> Where does that come from?" Yeah. So yeah. I'm totally with that. So that would be my advice: get out there, talk to the people, meet the people, try lots of different beers, um, and then you know write about what excites you about um you know yep. the, the industry, um and yeah, just. Yeah, if you're truly passionate, it will come through, and you, you know, it's it's something you can't hide. So, yeah, get it out I there. agree. Good stuff. Mm. All right, is we're we're almost heading up to the hour now, so I think you probably need to get to bed so you can get up early and get beer diva <laughs> tomorrow. So, what, what if we uh, beer diva doesn't get up early? Oh, <laughs> uh, you're lucky then. You're lucky. What if what if we uh, head on over to the fast five? Do you think you're up for that? Okay. All, All right. right. Kirillit, your time starts okay. now. Has beer ever led you okay. astray? Yep, many times. Can you tell me stories about it? That's all I'm saying. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Who is the most famous person you've ever shared a beer with? Oh, gosh. Probably Ray Daniels from who started the Cicerone oh, yeah? program. I sat next to him in judging, and that was, yeah, that was pretty daunting, but I learned so much that day. That was amazing. Nice. What has beer done for you that nothing else has in your life? Oh, um, oh gosh, that's that's <laughs> nothing. Given else your career, uh, yes, yes, yes. It's given me, it's given me um, joy. It actually, it's given me a career that I love, and I don't ever wake up not wanting to go to work. That's awesome. That's awesome. What's the best beer experience you've ever enjoyed? Oh, I think it was that first that that porter and that chocolate cake. Yep, from Good Bill. Simple uh, things, just because it was so mind blowing, and that's that's where it all started. Beautiful. And what's the most important thing you've learned in your craft beer journey? Uh, to just try everything, give everything a go, um, and be open to everything that comes your way. Cool. Say yes to everything. Nice. And uh, okay, so please, <laughs> please things. say yes to this next one <laughs> Not then. The marriage propositions. <laughs> okay. Yes to the next thing. Can you help me get Chris Hemsworth on this podcast? Oh, totally Excellent. can. I can. I'll, I'll call I'm him sure now. Pretty sure you've got people. So put your people in touch with his people. Yeah, I'll get my people. To get, yeah. Well, he's he's out there, kind of a bit loose and fancy free at the moment, isn't he? Oh, that's Liam. Wrong one. Oh yeah, Chris. Thor. Sorry. Yeah, Chris is Thor, isn't yeah. he? Yeah, okay. Well, I'll, I'll get in touch with Liam. <laughs> I'll get in touch with Chris. I'll, look, I'll, I'll, take, I'll take Liam. Uh, Liam, he can jump on as well. But Yeah, which, I mean, he's there. He's in Byron now. Yeah. So let's, we'll, we'll, let's both go up there. He's probably in the mood to drink a few beers and maybe drown his sorrows right now. So. I reckon, I think, and I'm just looking at my little beer, beer stock at the moment, <laughs> I think I could find some that he would like. Yeah, that's our in. <laughs> let's make this thing happen. <laughs> Liam, if you're listening, call yeah, me. All right, Curly, <laughs> right, I'll yes, let you uh, go tonight. I'll call you too if you like it. <laughs> Whoever, just make a phone call. <laughs> Thanks yeah. so much for joining me tonight. It's, I really enjoyed talking with you. I'm, it's taken us a while to uh, finally actually meet up properly after all these years of sort of circling in similar circles. So I'm, I'm glad we finally I did. Know. It's been fantastic. Yes. I wish you all the best for your future as, as the beer yeah. diva. Thanks so much. Yes, and you too as beer healer. Thank you. Go Cheers. Cheers. Thanks for tuning in to another Beer Healer interview. I really hope you guys enjoyed the episode as much as I did. If you want to follow along with more Beer Healer content, you can check out my Facebook, YouTube and Instagram pages. Just search Beer Healer or you can visit beerhealer.com. If you like the podcast, can you please help me spread the word by subscribing and rating it and sharing it with your beer-loving friends?